0: Uh. 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 Hi, welcome back to the Summit Road to Group Podcast. I'm Nick Williams.
1: I'm Blake Schregeis.
0: Today we're going to talk about leverage. Uh, So today's another real estate focused episode, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're going to talk about how you can use leverage and how leverage may be used against you.
1: Yes. So when you say leverage in a general sense is using a, a longer stick to pick up things. Right. Basically. Who had the quote, um, I can pick up the world if you give me a long enough stick, basically. Um, and that's, I don't know who that was, but anyways, the we power should. of leverage. We searched that before the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the power of leverage is you can multiply your own strength mm. or your own ability to do something with leverage. And when we talk about leverage in real estate, it's loans. And so. it's talking
0: about fulcrums, and fulcrum is that transition point when you have that leverage. Yeah. And so the first fulcrum that you have in real estate is your offer. Yeah. Um, and there's some pre-work you can do to gain some leverage before you make an offer, and that's really where your lender comes in—the right loans, mm-hmm. the right loan programs. Uh, you can. Uh, A typical cabin you can buy with all of your different loans, but some of them are going to give you some advantages and some of them are going to give you some disadvantages and limit you in different ways.
1: Yep, yep. So So, um, the extreme amount of leverage would be a zero down, like a VA loan. Let's Mm -hmm. say you got all clothing costs wrapped in and um, you got your earnest money back at the end let's say so that would be a leverage of you have zero dollars in besides whatever your earnest money was and you're getting a hundred percent back right Um, the other end of course is you buy something cash Mm -hmm. you're using no leverage Uh, the strength you have the money you have is what you're going to use to spend Um, so there's obviously a ton of ways to look at this there's the dave ramsey method which is basically buy everything cash um, limit your leverage as much as possible and the reason for that is leverage is risky, like, for sure. There's no way around, like, getting a loan on money, there is more risk than if you just bought it cash.
0: Right, so you've got less at stake mm-hmm. because it's 0% down, no money invested, but the leverage is what you're getting from that, right? So cash, mm-hmm. you you got 100% in, Yes. more to lose, right?
1: Well, I, I think I would disagree with that, because if you're cash, you can lose the money that you've put in. So it's a $300,000 house. And if you're a VA buyer, you didn't put any money in, but you're going to lose beyond the money you have.
0: Because you're going to go to our next buzzword, equity. And so what we're talking about a lot today with equity uh, and leverage, what he was just referring to is you have no money at stake, so it seems like a better deal for you, right? Mm -hmm. You bought a house with a VA home loan, 0% down, and the seller covered all your closing costs. Mm -hmm. Not very risky for you, but you have no asset. In fact, you're upside down on your house because of the VA funding fee. Yes. The other way around, cash. I just bought a property. If there's a fire, if something happens, I'm 100% out of my asset. Mm -hmm. But on the flip coin, on the other side of the coin there, you have 100% of your asset that you own. Now you can go into Burr and cash out refinance. You you have no lender telling you you have to live here. You can rent this out. Mm -hmm. You can't Airbnb this X, Y, and Z. So leverage is a good and a bad thing. It depends on what side of the fulcrum you're on.
1: Well, it depends on what you want to do as well. And your safety profile, your goals, all of that. So, um, I don't know. I don't guess he would care if I named his name. But uh, So, Tim Henry, who is an engineer, um, is, I would say, a more safe person. We've kind of discussed this a lot. And the idea of, like, and again, I don't know his, like, how he invests or anything. But just to give you, uh, for instance, he's more likely to be someone who wants to own everything cash. Mm -hmm. um, And pay everything down as quick as possible. Um, Myself, I am... I'm less so. Like I don't think I would want to do a bunch of zero-down loans um, because, again, you've got no equity. If things go wrong, they go really wrong. Like you're in 100% in. Maybe you can't sell. You have to pay to get out of houses. So things can go really bad. Um, So what is the? And again, everybody's going to be a little bit different. So in your first off. Yeah.
0: Disclaimer, none of this is financial advice. These no, are all no. recommendations, tips, tools, and <laughs> everything else. So um, we're going to explain to you the different options that you have. Yes. But none of this is saying you should do this, you should do that. There's risk involved with anything that has uh, money tied to it. Yeah, yeah. So I really see there, I'm going to go back to this coin. I think that's going to be our metaphor for this episode. Okay. Um, the head side of the coin is your Dave Ramsey people, right? Your your cash burr uh, asset collection people. So that, what that means is they want to own it and have as much equity as fast as possible. And then you have the other people, which I would say are the Robert Robert Kiyosaki Mm -hmm. crowd, right? Mm -hmm. And that's um, maximizing your debt and making the debt work for you. So quick summary here, Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad author, owns millions, millions of dollars worth of real estate, got his first million in real estate. And so what he basically gets at is using debt to your advantage. So I can buy one, pro- if I have $100,000, I can buy three properties with 30% uh, down, or $30,000 down, right? Now right. I have three assets that can cash flow, can bring me more income, and mm-hmm. go down that road. Whereas the same person that is Dave Ramsey, or uh, Burr, for example, um, and Burr is buy, rehab, refinance, pay, um, Rent, repeat. Rent, repeat, right? So that's that model there. And so they want to buy the asset with as little debt as possible, Mm -hmm. minimizing the risk of collections and not paying your dues and having more of the asset. But because you're maximizing 100% of your investment, you can only buy one at a time instead of three or four at a time. You're not maximizing that debt relief.
1: Well, and that's one of the big things when people look at investing in real estate. And if they're thinking, hey, I'm going to buy the whole thing cash, Mm -hmm. a lot of times they say, what is the, like, the return is not as good as maybe some people lead you to believe. And it's like, why not just go buy some stocks or, you know, there's a bunch of investment vehicles. Um, yeah. And because one of the big bonuses of real estate is how easily financeable it is. Whereas you could probably finance buying stocks, but I don't think anybody recommends doing that. Um, whereas real estate, you can, again, yeah, you can take $10 and make it 100 or $20 and make it 100 You know, you can 5X, 10X, or again, with a VA loan and your primary residence, you can literally infinitely uh, X, your, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, your money because you're not putting anything in. So um, the bonus- And there's other
0: options like residential loan, uh, road development loans and stuff too. So it's not just VA yeah. with 0% down. Yeah. But that's the most common one, which is why we're in here. And there's
1: some grants and things. Yeah, um, IRA check. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so for the most part. So, But again, the, the bonus of all that is if everything goes good, no issues. No issues. So let's go down the path of where you do have things go bad. You buy a house, let's say zero down, whatever, VA or whatever it was, it was zero down, and the market takes a dip and let's say you weren't upside down right. you, you bought it perfectly you owe exactly what it was worth and the market takes a dip and you lose 20 grand um you also lose your job in that time because of the economics or whatever and you need to move to go get your other job you now have maybe say you're twenty thousand dollars in the hole you've got to pay you know realtors <laughs> in that time you got to pay closing costs all of that and so you know whatever it is twenty five thirty thousand dollars that you're upside down that now, so that's kind of the riskier side. So that's if you have zero equity, mm-hmm. you have like no wiggle room for things to go wrong.
0: Right, and, and that can doesn't have to be the worst case scenario, which you just mentioned. It can be something yeah. as simple as my septic just failed. Yeah. Right. Well, I need to pay fifteen thousand dollars for this thing. Otherwise, it's going to keep backing up sewage in my house. So mm-hmm. what do we do? Well, if you have equity, you can do a HELOC. You can do a cash out refinance. You can Fruit. take a mortgage out against your property. Yeah. But if you don't have that equity. You, you have limited more limited options. You'd have yeah. to get a personal loan with a higher interest rate, go more in debt instead of ad, util, uh, utilizing your asset with leverage.
1: Yeah. So one, one thing that bothers me is so is it more risky? Yes. Is there more reward possible? Yes. Mm-hmm. that's always the risk reward ratio uh, holds true for everything. Right. Um, it's a so, cake. There's always layers
0: to it. Yeah. Right? And you,
1: you've got people, the, the zero debt people, the Dave Ramsey people, which Dave Ramsey is a Christian organization yeah. and stuff and it it always bothers me that i
0: graduated dave ramsey uh financial university
1: yeah same same right before we uh got married to my wife which is actually a really good thing to do i I think
0: everybody at 11th grade should start the dave ramsey program once you graduate once you got through all six steps yeah um maybe there's a seventh one now um once you get through all of those then i personally believe you need to go more towards the robert kiyosaki side i think once you have that base down well dave ramsey
1: has like 99 percent of it right i Mm -hmm. just think like, because you don't want to get car loans and all. Yeah, like for the most part, yep. a lot of like uh, liabilities you don't want debt on things no. that are going down in value. But doing assets,
0: and that's what Robert says. Robert says debt is good if you're buying assets. Right. Debt is bad if you're buying liabilities. And, yeah. Dave Ramsey keeps it simple, and that's why it's such a successful program. Yeah. Is he, he? He just keeps it simple. Debt is bad. Yeah, I would say in certain situations debt is good.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, and, and that's the point I was trying to get to is. is it almost makes people feel like it's a sin to get debt, and I, that always bothers me. Like, it's a choice to get debt, and you have to know the risk-reward ratio. So, again, if, if you are willing to make that risk, if you're at your absolute max, you're buying a house, you have no money um, for anything to go wrong in your life, not just housing stuff and you're maxed out on everything, yeah, it may not be a great idea <laughs> to buy like max out like that. You may need to get a few things in line before you do take that risk. Because owning a house is, is riskier than yeah. renting, always.
0: I like metaphors. So to simplify <laughs> this is basically like, you can buy a hammer, right? Yeah. And that hammer will allow you to build a house, so it's now an asset, yeah. right? But that hammer is making you work on high beams, using nails where you could possibly injure yourself. So that's where the risk is, right? Perfect. So that house, depending on what, how you use it, can be an asset or liability. A house that you just live in and you're not profiting off of, it's an asset still because you can always sell it for a profit, Mm. but it's truly kind of in the middle between a liability and asset. It's growing and appreciating, building your equity as an asset, but things are breaking, things can still, you're depreciating on your taxes, so it is depreciating, right? But there's different things you can do on it, and so it is kind of in the middle there is both. Yeah. if you go to an investment property now that's where the entire algorithm changes mm-hmm. it is definitely an asset because you're not living in it it is making you money and it is a tool to generate income mm-hmm. but you also have other people living in it that are breaking things running things down so that's where the balance comes back in yeah and you want to basically buy an asset cleverly that you've done the research your due diligence on so it's more on the asset side than the liability side
1: yeah so in the house you're living in if you're just living conventionally almost without fail as a liability i agree yeah unless you're gaining so much equity like it would be 2020 to 2021 and a half maybe even still it's hard to overcome the expense of owning a house like the the interest rate so the only two bonuses you have when you're living somewhere is equity gain and any tax relief you get so like your interest payments will be a write-off or whatever so um Yeah. So that's really hard to overcome. Then you can do, anyways, I don't want to get outside the realm, but you can do things like house hacking where you do start making income technically where you live. And if you don't Um,
0: have the equity and you're going back to that story earlier where you lost your job and you have to move and you can't afford to sell the property, you can still turn the liability into an asset and rent it out, but now you're behind the power curve because you don't have the equity position in it.
1: It's tough. It's tough. So
0: if now everything went well, you just couldn't afford to sell it, you move a tenant in it and the tenant backs up your septic system mm-hmm. your asset then reverts back to a liability because you're now not cash flowing you're losing money instead of gaining money on it.
1: yep yep so what i would the, again not a recommendation what i would think about <laughs> for a lot of people what i would consider what i would upon. consider is for the house that you're going to be living in or if you're going to house hack one of the big benefits is the amount of leverage you can get so you can get into houses zero down you can get mm-hmm. with three percent down five percent down depending on your situation you don't have to bring the full 20 percent down 25. i would or 25% mm-hmm. down. Yeah, nowadays. Um, so you're coming in. That is a great bonus for a lot of people. Just be aware of like, hey, buy a pretty good house. And again, you can't. You don't know there's always risk but plan to stay there for at least three to five years that's usually mm-hmm. kind of again every situation is a little bit different and the
0: average American right now keeps the house for seven years yeah so like I said we're, we're saying keep it a half to a little bit more than half what the average is. Mm-hmm. but almost nobody keeps a house for 30 years
1: yeah after about three years and again this is all like depending on where you live and everything but in general with general appreciation after about three years you're not gonna be, um, you're gonna be doing better than if you had just rented at a similar market. So again, it all depends. So that three year mark is kind of a goal for people to buy. If you're gonna live somewhere six months, uh, rent. Like, don't buy. Like, unless I agree. You're, yeah. <laughs> unless
0: you're, you're living in it to buy it as an asset and then move on and you're doing, right. you know, hacking yeah. the system again, make sure your loans are approved for your strategy because there are some loan terms that won't allow you to rent your property or you have to live in it for a certain amount of time before you can move on to something else. Uh, but,
1: second home, like vacation homes, mm-hmm. that's been brought up a lot. Mm-hmm. You generally, I'm not going to say every lender, but every one that I've seen lately is they want you to sign things saying, I'm never going to rent this out. So you get a 30-year loan that you're supposed to never rent out, which... Yeah. And rules. then you can refinance on yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, loan fraud yeah. is
0: a serious thing. Don't commit loan fraud. Don't do it. So, um, all of our strategies are going based off of whatever scenario we're making up right now, but usually yeah. investment properties where you don't have those riders. We call it a one to four family rider and all those other different clauses in your contract. So, yep. definitely yep. at closing, pay attention to your documents. Don't just sign the paperwork in front of you without understanding it but in the end you have to sign the documents and buy the house and at that point you're beyond return
1: yep okay. and then so from there so uh, buying your primary i wouldn't keep waiting until you have the 20 25 this is just me personally i think it's a risk worth taking to get into house and to get out of a rental pass that do pay it down and then i, I think 20 percent is kind of a minimum that you would want like as you if you want to start collecting houses mm-hmm. and do more investing mm-hmm. you want to start getting about 20 percent in each consecutive one, and maybe you don't start out with 20%, but maybe you have a two-year plan to pay it down to get 20% uh, equity. I didn't say that. And, so, and
0: I'm going to lead you on this one. If you don't pick it up, I'll, I'll yeah. run with it, but <laughs> why 20%? What is the magic thing that happens around 20%? Um, if you're using an owner-occupier loan.
1: So... Well, you can, are you talking on the lending side or the...
0: Just biggest? one thing that happens around 20% on a on a normal loan is PMI. Oh, yeah. So PMI will drop off. It automatically drops off at 22%. You, with one phone call, your lender will drop it at 20. But there's a little gray area where the bank's try to make a little bit more money off of you. Mm-hmm. So at 20%, you lose at PMI. So your payment's are already dropping at that point. At 20%, you should have been in the property long enough anyway that if you were the conventional loaner, probably even FHA, you can then move on to a newer, bigger house. Maybe now you're ready to go in somewhere else. So if I had a child right now at 23, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to set them up for success, I would tell them the first thing you want to buy is a duplex something affordable, something in town, very low risk, mm-hmm. right? But but using that leverage on getting the best possible deal on 0% down loan and or a 3.5% down loan for an FHA or something, mm-hmm. go ahead and move into that. Mm-hmm. Now start saving up your money, make the property better, and once you hit that 20%, with FHA, you do have to refinance because a lifetime PMI. I was about to bring that up. But yeah. um, so refinance at twenty percent, pull some cash out of that, add it to the savings, and go buy a second property. Mm-hmm. Now here's where you have the option of what I would do is buy something a little bit, little bit larger, maybe a threeplex or fourplex. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people at this point say, "Hey, I'm tired of being a renter, like living like a renter, because you're living in a duplex, you're still in an apartment, right? Yeah, yeah." And buy a single family home. Yeah. i would try to get a portfolio of six before i bought my single family home at that point i should be about 30 years old yeah. so now as a 30 year old i own three properties somewhere between four and six doors mm-hmm. and at that point your properties are essentially paying for themselves to buy more properties mm-hmm. and it's a snowball effect going back to dave ramsey but doing the inverse instead of paying down your debt like a snowball you're building your asset like a snowball so you start yeah. with a duplex then you go to five doors then you get your sixth door roll that
1: Yeah. So yeah, I I totally agree. So getting when you're getting more and more doors, I think that's when you want to decide for yourself what amount of equity you're okay with. Yeah. So I would say 20% is kind of getting towards the minimum beyond the PMI just the the risk riskiness of it. So Mm -hmm. if we have a market drop, if we have, uh, you have certain life things that go wrong and you need to do a flash sale basically mm-hmm. and sell your property for maybe cheaper than you want to liquidate yourself out, whatever it is, you've got wiggle room. Mm-hmm. And then it goes up to, all, obviously it can go all the way up to where people want to own it outright, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And maybe depending on your age, like we're both pretty young, we don't probably need to own a lot of things cash. If you're 80 years old, it may be a good idea, too, on the wrong yeah, things Yeah, because cash, once you know? that like,
0: retirement fund dries up, yeah. and who knows, Social Security goes away, you're still sitting on money.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's the thing I like about houses and properties in general, whether it's land, cabins, houses, fourplexes, 20plexes, whatever, is that is a non-liquid asset with value. And so, yes, it costs money to sell it but hopefully you have enough equity, this whole episode is about equity, right? To right. so liquidate that, and then you can roll that over into other investment opportunities or live off of. So yeah. as long as you exist in that property standing, there is value assigned to it.
1: Yep, yep. And we've not talked about all of like the bonuses of how like the property makes you money, but mm-hmm. uh, in general, you probably want to collect as many properties as you can before you- It's one of those monopolies. <laughs> so it's a multiplier, right? Yeah. But
0: just like the game of monopoly, that's all real estate really is, right? Buy, yep. increase rents, monopolize the market yep. um hotels. most people can yeah, build hotels Airbnbs are the modern day hotel, so right, there you go. Much. We we can actually <laughs> yeah. play this game. Yeah, um, but the benefit of all of this, and like he alluded, there's three real mains that you ways that you make money off of a property. The first one is the one that everybody talks about: cash flow, mm-hmm. right? So if I own something that costs me two thousand dollars, I charge you three thousand dollars to live there. I'm making a thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody wants. But in the current market, with high interest rates and just coming off of an, a two years of appreciation those numbers aren't always hitting so a lot of my investors are like is now a good time to invest because i might just be breaking even on my investment mm-hmm. i have to explain to them no it's still a good time to invest because you're buying an asset that your tenants are paying the mortgage down for so you have the upfront money but every month your tenants are making you owe less and less on that debt mm-hmm. Secondly, most properties appreciate. Even right now, as the intrinsic value, the value that buyers are willing to pay for houses are coming down, appraisers are scratching their heads because the value of the properties are still going up. So a normal appraisal right now should be coming in over value. Yep. So you're buying it for 200, but it's actually worth 215 because the property was worth 230. It has depreciated a little bit, but the market and the opportunities are decreasing faster than the, uh, the value there. So what math comp... Yeah, what we're talking about here now is the property is worth more. Your tenant's paying down the debt, and there's that difference that's growing. And then you yes. also have cash flow on top of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I always say four. It is kind of the same thing, but your depreciation um, getting paid down, mm-hmm. the appreciation, depreciation. I'm, excuse me. Appreciation. No, the amortization. Amortization. Amortization of the loan. Appreciation. More going to principal over time. Yep, cash flow and then tax benefits, which a lot of people skip over. I skip
0: over tax benefits a lot. Yeah. That's a it's, huge. That's a huge game changer.
1: It's, it's really big. It's if, big I, if you
0: remodel your bathroom at home, you can't write that off. Yeah. If you remodel a bathroom in your apartment, that's 100% of a write-off.
1: Yeah.
0: If you uh, have to plow your driveway, you're losing money. You have to plow your property, you're providing a service. Yeah. So pretty much anything you do to your apartments, you can write off on taxes and have tax benefits to it. Yeah. In your own personal property, the only thing you can do is write off your interest.
1: So I don't want to get into it, but just as a teaser for maybe a future one, are you familiar with the cost segregation uh, depreciation? Uh,
0: yes, but no. Okay. Right okay. now, it's not ringing a bell.
1: Okay, you're gonna like it. Okay. Um. So, anyways, <laughs> it's a. Uh, we'll do. We'll do another one on that. I'm not a like a tax professional or anything, so that would be an interesting one to do a little more research. And again, maybe I can a
0: find a accountant. <sighs> yeah. To come in and do an episode. with That us. would be really cool because I know that. enough
1: to like. Uh, get people in trouble and get myself in trouble <laughs> but there's if a lot if you're of... an
0: accountant listening to this episode feel free to reach out to us in the yep. comments and i would love to invite you into our show if you're in fairbanks we yep. don't yet have the budget to fly people into town
1: no yeah but legitimately <laughs> interested in what you're doing not yeah. just uh you know a miserable person sure. who got a degree in accounting because he thought it would make you money <laughs> we don't want you no i'm joking so um I, I think that pretty much covers it more leverage is more risky you stand the chance of um, being able to make more reward uh, because maybe you can buy multiple houses, whereas if you bought something with cash, maybe you can only buy one. Um, less leverage closer to full equity, you have less risk, less reward. You can buy less things because you can only use the money you have. Now, if you have so much money you don't know what to do with, again, er, there's so many different options, but um, be aware of your situation. Be aware of the risk that you're willing to take mm-hmm. because some people are just unwilling to take risk. and That's yeah. fine. If you can't sleep at night knowing that you only have 10% equity, like get up to the 20, 30, 40, whatever makes you sleep at night, um, I sleep fine until things go wrong. And I'm like, oh shoot, I should have done more. I, I regret my decision. Right? <laughs> I regret my decision. But you yeah. live and learn from that and the next yeah. time you have a better plan. Yeah. So yeah, so everyone and your age is going to change that as well. Um, I was way, like I would do anything even 10 years ago, um, which again, I'm, I'm still young, but 10 years ago, like nothing scared me to do. And then now I'm still young, but there's a lot of things where I'm like, you got a family
0: ah. you got to look out for. Yep. You, got, you got less time to make that money back. Whereas at 18, 19, you have, The world ahead of you exactly
1: exactly so um, being aware of that for yourself um, and sometimes it's hard to know until you do it you may think that you're good with it and then not be and again that's kind of sucks because you do get stuck in a situation for at least a few years but um Anyways, anything else you wanted to add
0: to that? No. If you have any questions about what we talked about today, if you need further explanation or us to simplify it a little bit more, feel free to reach out to us. Me and Blake are both willing to entertain questions on a yeah. personal one-on-one. Yeah. So reach out to us via email, text, or uh, phone calls. Yeah, And for sure. you can Google us both and find all our information.
1: Yep. Okay. Fun.
0: All right, buddy. White. Well, again, thank you for meeting with me. Yep. Good podcast.
1: For sure. Great. You. Uh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh.